the hell is going on? What's really going on? We said, what the hell happened? You don't have to know what the hell is on it. They, they see what's going on. I don't know what's going on. What is going on? We must find out what is going on. Hi, I'm Danielle Fletka. And I'm Mark Thiessen. Welcome to our podcast, What the Hell is Going On? Mark, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on is there's a toilet paper shortage. (laughs) Danny, we're talking, we're doing an entire podcast on the toilet paper shortage. We are... Let me just just put in a parental warning here. (laughs) If you hate toilet paper jokes, puns, toilet jokes, jokes, butt jokes, poop jokes... Scatological humor... The time to disconnect is now. Yeah, don't disconnect. This is a great episode because uh, we've got a great guest coming up. So you and I are big fans of Seinfeld. And there's the famous episode called The Stall, where Elaine is sitting in a bathroom stall in a restaurant and she runs out of toilet paper and knocks on the stall to talk to her neighbor and ask for a little help. Here's the sound. Excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but there's no toilet paper over here. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I I just forgot to check, so if you could spare some. No, I'm sorry. What? No, I'm sorry, I can't spare it. You can't spare it? No, there's not enough to spare. Well, well, I don't need much. Just three squares will do it. I'm sorry, I don't have three squares. Now, if you don't mind. Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. (laughs) Daddy, we don't have a square to spare in America. <laughs> I guess not. There's no, there's no toilet paper in, in my supermarkets. Is there any in yours? So there's no toilet paper in the supermarket. But when I was checking out of the supermarket, the guy said, they've got it at Walmart. So, so I went over to Walmart, and they do have it. But the, So you limit. heard about this on your underground toilet paper but, network. Exactly. I got, I got a guy. <laughs> Who knows where the toilet paper is? And they say, but they only let you take one package. Uh, they will only send you one at a time. Is it at least the squishy kind, like Charmin? It's the good stuff. Yes, we we were not able to get the good paper towels though. Uh, they, only the cheap stuff is there. So you only you know, the one ply. Only the one. Not ply. good enough for the yeah. Tyson household. Can't, can't spare a ply either. <laughs> just a ply. I just want a ply. Can I have a ply? I mean, I know everybody who's listening is probably going through exactly the same thing. You know, there is no actual toilet paper shortage, but people are causing it by behaving in this hysterical fashion. And it's not just here. I loved this story, which was in the New York Post about a, a family in Australia that thought that they were ordering 48 rolls of toilet paper, but instead they got 48 boxes of toilet paper. And so they built a giant throne out of it. Because, you know, that's what you do with 48 they, toilet paper boxes. They make a lot of money off of that 48 boxes. They're lucky. In Hong Kong, armed robbers held up a supermarket and all they took was 600 rolls of toilet paper. Well, I guess it's got great resale value. I mean, people are out of their minds. Honestly, what the heck are they doing? This tendency to hoard and to hoard sort of ridiculous things is, I guess, what goes along with every single crisis. But it it does cause a lot of toilet paper conversation. So the other night at dinner, we were talking talking about toilet paper with the kids because, you know, that's the kind of life we lead at the, at the Pletka household. And the kids were absolutely horrified to learn that toilet paper has only been a thing for like 
70, 80 years. <laughs> started in the 1940s. So you should have seen their faces when I said to them, no, no, people didn't use toilet paper before. And they were like, oh, my God, what did they use? The place to go, just in case you want to dive deep into this question, <laughs> is... Here come the puns. <laughs> is the very, very important website, toiletpaperhistory.net. <laughs> The internet is just a gift that keeps on giving, folks. What can I tell you? So on toiletpaperhistory.net, you learn that people used grass, fern, and this was the one that really didn't go down well at my house, corn cobs. (laughs) Then, of course, our two art history majors were very helpful in pointing out that Romans were very civilized during the the height of the Roman Empire. What Um, did the Romans ever give us, Danny? (laughs) Well, this is what they they gave gave us. The aqueducts, the roads, and the bridges. A lot of plumbing. Did they give us toilet paper? No. So what they kept was a sponge on a stick (laughs) in a bucket. (laughs) Anyway, that got its share of conversation. But we kept coming back to the corn cobs. Because apparently the colonialists used corn cobs. We spent a lot of time talking about that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm having very, very uh, disturbing visions of George Washington right now. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. All right. An even more hilarious and disturbing vision. Everybody has seen these unbelievably epic Amazon reviews when someone just writes a really, really funny Amazon review and it goes viral. So a review from 2013 went absolutely viral. I've never seen my husband laugh this hard. But it's a review for a toilet brush. You know, the thing that you find in every bathroom that mm-hmm. that, that is used to scrub out the toilet bowl. So <laughs> this guy is commenting on this very innocent white toilet brush and holder in plastic. And he wrote, I don't know how these things have caught on. Absolute agony and quite disgusting to use. Call me old-fashioned, but I'm sticking with toilet paper. <laughs> So my guess is that's what a corn cob felt like. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so to take advantage of this situation, Amazon has started selling fake prank gift boxes. <laughs> you could purchase something and send it to somebody, and it'll come in a fake box, and then you have your real gift on the inside. And one of them is the Roto-Wipe, which is a device that says, say goodbye to costly toilet paper, and it's a little thing that you attach to your toilet seat with a spinning brush. <laughs> And inside, I want my next birthday present in that box. Oh my gosh! And then, you, of course, inside uh, you can put whatever whatever it is you purchased from Amazon. But you can send these prank boxes to people. I was wondering if you could actually get actual toilet paper in the box, but apparently not because you can't buy it. Because you can't buy toilet can't paper. Can't buy toilet paper on Amazon as a prank or otherwise. So what got us thinking about doing this podcast was there was a fantastic piece in the Washington Post by Mark Fisher, who's a senior editor at the Post, who delved deeply into this piece. And the the headline was, cause of TP shortage is threefold. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the most expensive kind. So Mark Fisher's bio at the Post says, senior editor reporting on a wide range of topics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is Which absolutely grown immensely as with as a result of this. Absolutely true. He's been at the post for thirty years. He's written pieces that have won the Pulitzer Prize, but this really must have been his most challenging assignment. And you folks are lucky because you're about to hear our interview with Mark Fisher, senior editor on a wide range of topics. <laughs> 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 
So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you. You had a great piece in the Post the other day, which has probably the candidate for headline of the year, which is cause of TP shortage is threefold. <laughs> Tell us, why are we having a toilet paper shortage? Well, it's, uh, it's a good question, and it's the one that was nagging at me for several weeks now uh, because it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Now, on the one hand, we heard early on that, well, there's no toilet paper in the stores because people are hoarding it. Everyone's going out and buying a whole bunch just as they would before a hurricane or a snowstorm, those kinds of events where people think, oh, I'm going to be cooped up for a while. I'd better stock up. I don't want to run out. Okay, fine. That makes some sense. But we're now five weeks into this, and the toilet paper shortage is not going away. So that, that explanation doesn't seem to cover the whole waterfront. And so I started talking to people in the toilet paper industry and in the grocery industry and so on, and there's another explanation, which is we're using a ton more toilet paper than normal. Now, that doesn't mean we're using the facilities any more than we normally would, but we are using different facilities. If you think about your life, most people spend some portion of their day in normal times, not at home, at work, at school, uh, at restaurants, at other public places, and when the call comes, they use the facilities there. So there is a separate, uh, and in fact, the more I reported this, the more shockingly separate it seemed to be, a separate industry that handles those commercial and industrial toilet paper needs than there is for the home use, the kind you get in the supermarket. And if you think about it, we already know this, that, that scratchy one-ply stuff that you find <laughs> in the office. That our cheap employers make us use, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is that comes from a different manufacturer. It goes through a different distribution system, and it's a different quality of product. And it also comes in larger rolls. If you think about the rolls that you see at work or at uh, restaurants, <laughs> Mark, and I, Mark and I are sitting here looking at each other and just laughing. You know, once you start down this road, you get deep into stuff that uh, you maybe don't want to get into. Get but... into deep doo doo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're flush with information. <laughs> We're here all day. Um, (laughs) Every single day, all day. And that's the problem, of course. I'd spent weeks writing all these stories about death and doom and just the horrible things that are going on. And I just needed some relief, so to speak. And so I started down this road, and, and once you start with the puns, it just it, it just can't stop. Um, <laughs> I mean, so you were talking about the industrial role. So, like, you would think in yeah. a normal crisis like this, if you have industrial products, you would divert them to commercial use, right? That's what a flexible industry would do. You'd say, okay, well, I've got these roles that are set going for businesses. I'm going to send them now to uh, Safeway so we can buy them. But you were pointing out in your piece that the industrial ones don't have barcodes on them. So, like, you know, they had to come up with, like, stickers like you put on your fruit and stuff like that. Why is our toilet paper industry so inflexible? They're actually rolling this stuff out very nicely <laughs> in that they they did see that there was an opportunity here. And mm-hmm. so the companies that produce the commercial stuff said, you know, we got warehouses full of this stuff that no one's using now because no one's going to the office, no one's going to, the, to work. And so we can divert those to supermarkets and other places where people buy the home product. But as you said, it's not easy. First of all, there's the size difference. Those industrial roles don't fit on most homes' toilet paper holders, right? So also they're packaged differently. When a store buys a whole bunch of toilet paper, they buy it in bulk. They buy a pallet. Some people who go to grocery stores were buying pallets, but we don't want them to do that uh, because it means the rest of us don't get it. 
So they literally had to repackage the commercial rolls for home use. And as you say, they had to put on those little stickers that you find on pieces of fruit in order for the very highly automated systems at supermarkets to be able to understand what this product was that was going past the scanner. So that is happening. There were deals being made and arrangements being made between one industry and the other, but it takes time and it's not easy. And the distribution channels are different. Even though the parent companies, companies like Georgia Pacific, that make toilet paper, the parent company may be the same, but they have separate factories that make the commercial stuff and the home stuff. And so this is all kind of spooling out in real time, and it's uh, it's taking a while. Um, in addition to which, once you have a shortage, it, it the shortage tends to re-up itself in this circular uh, kind of pattern because you go to the store and there's no TP. You go to the store and there's no TP. And then finally you see some. Well, you're going to grab it all because you don't know when it'll be there next. So that's where the hoarding comes in and make and exacerbates the problem and extends the problem. I don't know where people are putting all of this toilet paper. You know, in your piece, though, the numbers I just found incredible. You wrote that Americans have spent $1.4 billion on toilet paper <laughs> in the previous four weeks, a 102% increase from the same period a year before. What we are spending as a nation on toilet paper is just, I was gobsmacked. Well, I managed to find uh, the, the one guy in the country who has written a book about the history of toilet paper. And, <laughs> yes. uh, he's also written books on sweat and pee, but, you know, <laughs> well, you never know. And he had looked into this whole question of uh, we think of toilet paper as a necessity. And whenever there's a forecast of snow, especially here in the Washington area, one flake of snow can cause a complete wipeout of toilet paper on grocery <laughs> shelves, along with milk and bread. I get the milk and bread, but why is toilet paper part of that holy trinity of supermarket wipeouts? Well, the answer is that the industry has persuaded Americans that you cannot live without their product. Their product is only about 50 or 60 years old. You go back before 1940, and Americans were using newspaper and Sears Roebuck catalog pages and so on. And it, it really is a shockingly recent invention uh, or marketing success. And it's been such a success in our country that we think it's an absolute necessity. Around the rest of the world, it's just not. I mean, people use bidets. Uh, people use lower-quality paper products. But here, it does seem to be uh, one of the few things that Americans are willing to uh, get out and hoard in, in that powerful way. I do have to say that calling it a marketing success is not entirely fair because, you know, when I look at the option between the soft, fluffy Charmin and the Sears catalog, or any <laughs> other catalog, I should add, I don't really have to be persuaded by intelligent advertising that that's the right choice for me in my bathroom. That's not why we put a magazine in the bathroom. <laughs> well, that's true, but I think that just shows how it has been deeply ingrained in our psyches over these last several decades. If you go back to the 1940s and look at some of the advertisements that the industry was putting out to try to persuade people to give toilet paper a try, they thought that they had a really tough sell originally. And so there are these hilarious ads where you see uh, very serious doctors and surgeons leaning over a patient and then telling the wife of, of the patient that, uh, you know, if only there had been proper hygiene used at home, they might not be in this position. Uh, so it became almost a life and death matter of whether you 
choose to use toilet paper or not. One of the things that we've learned during this pandemic is that where there have been shortages of a lot of things like N95 masks and hospital gowns and all these things. And part of the problem is, is that we'd outsourced the production of, of all these, you know, very critical items. Uh, but the toilet paper is all made in the Pacific Northwest, isn't it? It's made around the country. There are several plants in the South as well, uh, but it is very much an American product from start to finish. Uh, you know, these are American or Canadian trees that are being felled to make the paper. The slurry, which is the sort of soup of uh, wood chips that are uh, boiled down to become soft paper, that, that process all takes place here in our country. Uh, so this is not one of those cases where we're hugely dependent on China. And, uh, and so you know, we can't blame another country for this. This is our own distribution issue. Um, and, and it will eventually get fixed. But one other recent change in how we buy things in this country is responsible for the shortage of toilet paper right now. And that is the whole just-in-time uh, phenomenon where uh, companies are only making as much as the market normally calls for. And so, in, so, so there really isn't much of a stock in warehouses uh, when a crisis hits. Like We don't have a national stockpile of toilet paper? There is not apparently a, a national stockpile. Well, that's something um, President Trump should change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we as then, we revisit our pandemic preparedness strategy. <laughs> yes, but then he would remind us that the federal government is not an order clerk and uh, <laughs> and, and keep it for himself. Right? But they have tried to gear up and produce extra, but there just isn't that much more inventory to be had because they were already working the full shifts. They were already working seven days a week. And so the, the result of this kind of downsizing of many American industrial processes in recent years to, to be able to meet that just-in-time demand from merchants means that there just isn't as much uh, capacity out there to rev up the production at a time like this. The whole phenomenon of, of hoarding is really fascinating. And once you sort of open this Pandora's box of hoarding investigation, you find that, first of all, everybody is hoarding toilet paper in particular parts of the world, like the Anglosphere. In Australia, there's the same rush on toilet paper that there was in the United States, and I think in the in the UK and in parts of Europe as well. But it somehow goes to your feeling of security in an insecure time that you have enough water, you have enough toilet paper, and just speaking for my own Fairfax County, and that you have enough flour and yeast, both of which are absolutely unbuyable at this point. I don't know what all these people are going to do with all that flour and yeast or all that toilet paper, frankly. Yeah, there are certain things that give people a sense of control, and I think really that's what this is all about. Any of these hoarding behaviors really boils down to we are in a situation where people feel like they don't have as much control over their lives as they normally do, and they, they're right, they don't. Uh, and so any small thing that you can cling to that gives you a sense of, well, I've got this piece of my life uh, under control, I've got some security there, is going to be beneficial to people's emotional health. And so while we can make fun of those folks who are hoarding toilet paper, the fact is that they're probably feeling a little bit more secure sitting at home now because they were able to take care of something in that way. And that's something that I think a lot of the political leaders in the country haven't really grasped is this, this craving that people have for some sense of security, some sense of everything's going to be okay at some point. And there aren't many people speaking to that in any effective way. And so we, you see people acting out in what may seem like funny and ridiculous ways, but what lies behind it is something very serious, which is 
I want to be able to gain some control over my life in this very disturbing time. Right. No, I think that's absolutely true. You know, in doing the research for this podcast, uh, Alexa, our producer, appended a cartoon, which I know everybody will immediately get. So, you know, it's a man standing by a doctor, and the doctor says to him, unfortunately, the test came back positive for COVID-19. You have coronavirus. And he responds, and he looks at her, and he says, that can't be correct. I have over 40 cases of Costco water and 200 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> but I think that's exactly goes to your thing, which is, that, you know, I won't get sick because I've now reasserted control over my life with these 200 rolls of toilet paper. Right. I mean, we haven't gotten to the point yet in this country where it's being used as currency, um, but that could happen. And it has happened in some places. In Australia, there was a cafe that started accepting rolls of TP as payment. So you could pay three rolls for a cup of coffee. And um, it's, it's a little bit more cumbersome than a dollar bill, but... Um... <laughs> Wait, let me take this roll of toilet paper out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you were pointing out in the piece that this is not the first time that toilet paper hoarding has been used. Uh, in the 1990s, you told the story about a manager at Philadelphia Veterans uh, Stadium who stole a lot of toilet paper. Could you share that story with us? Sure. Uh, this was, as you said, at the Vet, which was the old stadium where the Eagles played football and then the Phillies played baseball. And one of the guys who ran the stadium had been in charge of ordering supplies. He, he ordered a double supply, essentially, of toilet paper, and he'd done this for more than a year. And he had amassed this, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of, of rolls of toilet paper. And an auditor finally figured this out, that they were ordering way too much, and fans were complaining that there was nothing available in the bathrooms. And so it turns out that he'd been ordering these loads and then reselling it, and he stole like $34,000 worth of toilet paper. He was caught, he was fired, and this led to one of the city auditors giving the reporter in Philadelphia one of the great quotes of all time when he said, man, he really wiped that stadium clean. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, it, it's just one of those topics that you know never stops giving. CBS News Sunday Morning Show had a great story about uh, there was a toilet paper shortage in the 1970s because some congressman said that there could be a toilet paper shortage. And then Johnny Carson, back when everybody tuned in for The Tonight Show, said in his monologue that there was a toilet paper shortage. And all of a sudden, everybody ran out and like wiped all the shelves clean. Uh, of all the shortages we have, there's a gasoline shortage. You know what else is disappearing from the supermarket shelves? Toilet paper. Ha ha ha, you can laugh now. There is an acute shortage of, of toilet paper in the good old United States. We gotta quit writing on it. That's exactly right. And that is a, a very famous story in, in the toilet paper industry. And, uh, <laughs> about yeah. which you now are, are, are replete with information. No, in fact, Johnny Carson had to go back on air on a subsequent night and issue a, a correction and say, you know, I was just joking, people. Right. Now, people are very sensitive about their toilet paper. And I saw this in the reaction to the story. I mean, I got hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, emails and notes from readers who, uh, some of whom were very upset about the shortage, and some of whom uh, were also so particular, even in the shortage, that they said, look, they can put all that one-ply commercial stuff into the stores, but I'm not buying it. I'll, uh, just you know, not happening. So people are very loyal to their brands and to, uh, it's kind of like the, the razor industry. You know, you 
you keep adding plies and making things more plush, just like uh, you keep adding blades to, to men's razors, and um, it doesn't seem to be an end in sight. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. And... You're really flush with information. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, but my supply is almost bare. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for helping us get to the bottom of it. Oh my God! You don't want to do another episode with more, <laughs> more puns. I, we we probably could do an entire episode with only puns. The only problem is, and actually, Mark and I have an explicit rating because of the word hell in the name of this podcast. So there's an entire <laughs> another episode we could do with the uh... <laughs> with 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 bad language. But oh this... wow! So you're saying we could go full X-rated on the on the TV? <laughs> Good, absolutely. Good. Thank you so much for this moment of light relief. Keep it up. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. Take care, Mark. Take care. So, Danny, do you think Mark's going to get another Pulitzer Prize for this one? <laughs> well, he deserves one, honestly. <laughs> I mean, there's been so much depressing talk. that This is one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast, or uh, as we ought to appropriately call it, revisiting second grade. <laughs> it's, because, it's because everything's been so somber, so worrying. We've been talking death, disease, war, national security. It is awesome to talk about. <laughs> Toilet paper. I actually remembered another story. Oh, go ahead. Tell us. So, you know who the kings of the toilet are? It's the Japanese. Okay. It's, yes, that is true. Yeah. Right. So, the French invented the bidet, which is all good and fine, but of and course... The Japanese took it to another level, right? <laughs> really, they took it They took it to the sky, so... But do they have the roto-wipe? <laughs> We have to post a link to that on the transcript if you need to find it. So Toto is the is the big Japanese toilet maker, and they have and they not the band, no, not the band, <laughs> not the band, the toilet. Uh, although the band is really good too, but that's another podcast. So anyway, they they make these very fancy toilets. They need to be plugged in. They've got music. They've got little uh, uh, fountains and sprays and and deodorizer and light. So anyway, we are years ago. We're staying in a in a hotel actually in in Shanghai and it's very nice it's just been built and in it was the most advanced the latest toto toilet and god i wish i could post this for you folks because i was able to watch this actually recently again so my youngest daughter who at that time was probably about 10 took a full 3 minute video of this toilet because when you walk towards it it greets you <laughs> Oh no! The, 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 the lid opens slowly, and the light comes on, and your toilet greets you. And she was so entranced by this that often she didn't want to go out. She just wanted to stay in the room and play with the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So when I was growing up as a kid, I loved to listen to something called the Dr. Demento Show. Uh, I would I would stay up late at night with my transistor radio under, under my covers and listening to this, and he had all these ridiculous songs. And he had a fantastic song by the band named Styx. It was called Don't Sit Down on the Plexiglass Toilet. <laughs> and so as our exit, we will leave you with that song. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into toilet and toilet paper history. See you soon.
And our team here at AEI is Alexa Santry, Matt Winesett, Jen Moretta, and Macy Heath. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, share it, comment on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.